Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design Franchise, here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast. This week, my Embedded Executive is Ed Kazemchak, and Ed is the CTO of Software Design Solutions. Hello, Ed. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me on, Rich. My pleasure. Um, so the topic we're going to talk about today is actually something that I really like to talk about a lot. It's um, something that's certainly front of mind as we get more into uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and all that stuff. Um, the amount of compute power that is required to do those things is a lot. Um, thankfully, we're either we can debate whether we're there at that point today, and I guess we will debate it, or that amount of compute power is, is just around the corner. But to be able to do this stuff at the edge really requires massive compute. Um, are we at that point where you're able to do that at the edge today? I, I think that when we talk about the edge, Rich, it's a lot of different uh, use cases. I think there are some use cases where we are at that point. And in, uh, every time I talk about the edge with folks, um, you can get into a heated discussion about whether something is considered the edge and where is the edge. And uh, one example I like to use is, you know, when you look at a, at a, at a self-driving car, um, you know, we're here in Pittsburgh and, you know, there's, and, and, and you know, Uber ATG is here and Aurora is here and all those folks that are building these self-driving cars are here. And you see that LIDAR spinning on the top of the car. Is that the edge device? Is that an edge device or is the whole car one edge device? And so when you talk to two different people, you'll get the definitions that can define either of those. And when you look at a, uh, uh, an industrial situation where you have sensors on a piece of machinery, maybe it has five or six or seven spinning, uh, spinning axles and there's, and there's sensors on every bearing. Is every one of those sensors the edge device? Or is the thing those sensors plug into that's a box bolted on the side of the machine? Is that the edge device? And so you really start to get into a lot of discussion about where is the edge exactly? But it really comes down to when you talk about computing and AI at the edge, um, one of, the, one of the good questions to ask is, why would you bother? Why do you want to compute way out at the edge? And, and, is, and is, the, is the value proposition there? And in a lot of cases, it is. And so let's, you know, let's kind of shift the discussion and talk about why you would compute out at the edge if you can compute out there. I think that uh, in terms of hardware and, uh, and you know, Moore's Law just keeps delivering and delivering and we can get lots and lots of power on small footprints cheaply and at a reasonable, I'll put quotes around that, uh, you know, battery performance draw, right? Well, I do and need so, to in interrupt you here though, because you gave lots of options for what the edge could be, but you didn't say what you're defining it as, and we need to do that. So what it, where is the edge for you in, in terms of this discussion? So for me, I tend to define the edge at the point where um, electronics and the digital world meets a physical world. In other words, where I am sensing a physical um, attribute. So that's temperature, pressure, vibration. That's where I tend to, that's where okay. I tend to put it. Yep, that's fine. Um, and, and 
And that's because it leaves me this middle ground of fog, which I'll talk about very briefly. And, you know, people like to toss around and I, and I specifically like to toss it around, which is one step removed from that. But I like to call the edge where I'm sensing a physical attribute, be it temperature, vibration, pressure, humidity, whatever. It's, that's where I call the edge because it truly is. You can't get any more edge than that. Okay, but to do that, you can't put that compute power that we're talking about at the edge that you just defined. Oh, I or, think I can. I think I okay. can. Okay, all right. Yeah. And, Let's and hear it then. And there's value in doing it. And, and there's, let me back up, there's sometimes a value in doing it. And so let's take, uh, let's take an exam example where there might be value in putting the, the level of compute power, and I'll put quotes around the AI there, um, in a, um, uh, let's say, a, an accelerometer-based vibration sensor. Um, the reason why I would want to have significant compute power way out at that edge is if that vibration sensor is located somewhere that it is not doesn't have a uh, high bandwidth connection to send lots of data back to its, its home, back to its gateway or back up to the cloud. Because if I had you know, a cheap way to transmit lots of data, I might as well just send all the vibration up and do the AI processing up at the cloud. Mm -hmm. Because even though these hardware vendors have provided us with tons and tons of capability out at the edge, it's still gonna be cheaper per MIP to do that compute power on a server in a data center somewhere than it is on an embedded device hanging out at my hangout my thing because the the triangle that I like to draw when it comes to um, when it comes to IoT devices is there's one cloud and at the bottom of the triangle is tens of thousands of edge devices and so if you have to if you have to to uh, uh, produce those edge devices all having this amount of compute capability, that's a lot of money. Well, I don't think we're gonna dispute the why. What yeah. we are gonna dispute is the how. Yeah, so let's talk um, about the how. Yeah. So if that, if, that, if that edge device has the opportunity of providing me, instead of the data, providing the, me the answer, in other words, this shaft or this bearing is okay versus not okay. And if it can do that with a little bit of AI, maybe a lot of heuristics, and we'll talk a little bit about whether do you need AI when the heuristic will do, um, but maybe, but, but those are also gray lines as well. Where does a heuristic become sufficient, sufficiently uh, complex enough that it's really an AI? Um, because that's really what AI is. It's just another kind of heuristic. And so, uh, you know, being able to provide me the answer instead of providing me a ton of data that I have to pay to transmit, potentially cellular, you know, over cellular, um, that's where AI out at the edge makes sense. And maybe even way out at that edge where you're sensing the data. That's one reason. The other reason is latency, is if I have to send that data up to be transferred and send an answer back saying, boy, you need to either shut this machine down or just slow it down by two RPMs because you're at some resonant frequency that's causing something really bad to happen. And if I just slow that machine down by maybe two RPMs, I can break that resonant frequency and stop that, that, that bad vibration that's happening. Um, that can only be done if I can make that decision very close to the control of that machine, kind of the old fast loop control that occurs in every SCADA system. Very, very interesting. 
Um, I still question whether it's possible, but I, um, I, well, do I you don't. have experience with this? I mean, are, are, you, are you guys actually doing this? So, so we, you know, we the do, proof is in the pudding. If, if, if you say we've already done this, then I'll, I'll stop the debate right there. We do various forms of this. And, and so some of it is, is um, uh, I mentioned that, do you need AI or is a sophisticated heuristic enough? And where do, where's the gray area between uh, a sophisticated heuristic and an AI? Um, we do have battery operated systems that are doing sophisticated enough pattern recognition that it's you know, indistinguishable from AI, but it's using heuristical methods at this point. Um, and those systems are out at the edge um, and running on battery. And so you know, the, the difficulty is, uh, as I mentioned, having that much horsepower running on a battery. That's where battery life and power conservation comes in and only running that sophisticated algorithm when you absolutely need to and getting away with a less sophisticated algorithm where you don't need, uh, where you don't need to have it. Um, and I think that those things are, are, are important to, to consider as you, as you look at this. Um, in terms of shoving down a whole TensorFlow model onto a battery operated system that's gonna run on a coin cell for two years, which is what most of our industrial customers you know, want, um, we're not there yet, we're not there yet. But if you take a portion of that model or take what that model can do, code it heuristically, then put that on a, on a battery operated system, you have a, you, you have a chance. This is really interesting stuff, and I would love to con continue this discussion, but we are out of time for today. But uh, yeah, let's definitely plan on doing this again. This is, this is very, very interesting and something we'll be talking about going forward. Always, always enjoy talking about this with you, this kind of stuff with you, Rich. Great, thank you. That was Ed Kazemchek. He is the CTO of Sulfur Design Solutions, and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media. You have a great day, Ed. Thank you. Thank you, Rich.